Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Story Box, where I, your host, Jay Phantom has the utmost privilege and honor to unbox the amazing stories of some incredible people from all walks of life and experiences. I'm delighted and grateful that you're here today. Now let's dive into the story box and hear more about our guest today. Just be as fearless as you possibly can. Welcome everyone back to the Storybox podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here. Uh, this week, my friends, is going to be a huge week with in terms of the lineup of guests. And I'm starting this week off with Lara Jade. Now, if you don't know who Lara Jade is, there's a funny story of how Lara and I actually connected. So I had originally reached out to Mae Musk. Now, if you don't know who Mae Musk is, she's Elon Musk's mum. Now, I don't even know how I got onto Lara in the first place. I, I don't even know how I got her email, but I've emailed her thinking that she was Mae Musk and I got a response back from Lara saying, Jay, I think you've got the wrong person, but hey, I've looked at your guests. I like what you're doing. I've, I've noticed that you don't have a, a photographer on your list. Would you consider having me on the podcast. And I immediately wrote back to her saying, 100%, let's have you on. And I was more focused on her story because I had no idea the kind of work that she was done except for photographing Mae Musk. And when I looked at all the work that Lara has done, my goodness, she has worked with some of the world's biggest clients from celebrities and huge publications. She's been guest uh, photographer and she's done workshops all over the world. She's done Poland's Next Top Model, Digital Rev as well. Some other clients uh, I will say uh, is Daisy Ridley. Now, if you don't know who Daisy Ridley is, she is the actress from Star Wars. She plays Ray. She's photographed Anya Taylor-Joy. Her work is honestly astounding and you have to, I highly encourage you all to go and have a look at some of the photos that she has taken of these amazing women and even men as well. She really has an incredible, unique talent for telling stories through uh, emotive imagery. And I think that is that is astounding because it comes from a personal place as well. So we, we dive more into, on this episode, we dive more into Lara's backstory and, and how she grew up. But I want to also mention to you before we dive into the story box that she's worked with companies like Vogue Taiwan, Vogue Japan, Vogue Japan Wedding, which is huge, Harper's Bazaar UK, Harper's Bazaar US, 
which is another big market. And she's worked with Issue Magazine, Modern Luxury, Stella Magazine, so many more. And this is an amazing episode. I guarantee you guys are going to get a lot out of it still. She has a lot of advice and I was honestly really, really impressed by this this conversation because I didn't do it normally how I, I start things off. We're just having a conversation and I hope you guys really, really enjoy it. So with that being said, everyone, uh, let's dive into the story box and hear Lara Jade's story. Um, like when I first moved to New York, I just didn't care. Like I just, I was fearless. I guess that's the word. You're more fearless when you're younger, I think. Why did you choose New York out of all the countries in the world? Why did you choose New York? Uh, you know what? It's funny. When I came to New York, it was because I was going for a bit of a bad time back home uh, with a relationship. And I'd always wanted to go to New York. You know, growing up, we always just went to like beaches and holiday towns in England. Mm. And when I, you know, a few of my friends online, especially with like growing up with like social media things and communities, I noticed how, what they were doing and that they were living in New York and it just looked so fun. Mm. Um, and when I was going through this breakup and a hard time and had to move home, I was like, you know, I had a little bit of savings in my account. So I decided to go with a friend for the first time and I just mm. fell in love with it. Like the fast pace of it, it was different. It was like a big hustle and bustle city which kind of suited where I was at the time. Mm. So, um, you know, I kind of decided right away that this is what I wanted to work on. And yeah, you grew up in, you grew up in England and is Staffordshire a small part of England? It is not. It's um, a county. So it's a pretty big, I say big in terms of like Australia and America, but for England, it's small-ish. But um, it's it's beautiful. Like I grew up with like very, we have a castle in our town, which I didn't actually appreciate until I left. I come from a town of Tamworth. I know you guys have a Tamworth as well. We do, yes. Um, and yeah, it has a castle and it was, you know, just a, it's kind of like a suburb of Birmingham, which is the second biggest city. Mm. So I grew up in like the suburbs and, you know, growing up as a photographer and an artist there was, you know, incredible in terms of the location. All the picturesque scenery, all that sort of stuff. Would yeah, it, and I did not appreciate that until I moved away uh, from uh, it. You know, you grow up with it and as being a teen photographer, so like it was like my playgrounds and yeah, beautiful nature, woodlands, poppy fields, all that stuff you imagine like in a British countryside. Mm. So you, you mentioned there that you were, we've actually started the podcast, by the way. It, I'm sorry, I kind of gathered. <laughs> seamless, seamless. We just have a normal conversation. So yeah. you grew up at the age of 14 wanting to become a photographer. What do you think sparked that within you? I. It's funny because I wish I had one of those stories. You know, a lot of people say like my grandfather had the dark room and inspired me and he... I don't have that story and I wish I did because it would make it seem a little more exciting. But actually I was at um, high school and in England, obviously we have high school and we go to college before we go to university. And during high school, like I was always interested in art. I always excelled during my art exams over everything else, mm. but I never found my medium. Like my parents are very creative. They weren't necessarily in creative jobs, but very creative. Anything they put their mind to, like they excelled at in creativity. 
And I just, I couldn't find what it was until it was my final exams um, during high school, our GCSEs. And I was interested in illustration. Mm. So long story short, I came across the website DeviantArt and I found photo manipulation. So I was so amazed by what people could produce in Photoshop using a photograph and manipulating it from like this re- like real scene to like a fantasy. So that's kind of what got me inspired initially. Um, but I didn't have a camera and I didn't have all this. So what I did was my dad had his beloved camcorder that he'd obviously saved to get just for holidays. And when he'd go out to work, I'd take the camcorder out without him knowing. And it was a big clunky camcorder and I was able to twist the screen and photograph myself. So, and I was a very shy teenager. So it's not like I would have just gone out and asked a friend to model for me because I didn't trust my skill level. Um, and I just, that's what I did. Every time he would go to work a few times a week, I'd take photos of myself. And then I, you know, downloaded my copy of Photoshop as we all did back then. Yes. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and just went for it. It was brush Photoshop brushes, nothing was perfect. You know, there was that looking back, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I posted that. But, um, what I got from it was that I really enjoyed experimentation of doing that. And it also, um, built confidence. So I was a very shy teenager, you know, high school, we go through bullying. A lot of us go through it, especially as creatives. And, um, it kind of got me a little more confident in myself Mm -hmm. because I could kind of reflect on my own image. Um, and it gave me a good distraction from that too. Did you ever feel like you were sort of not fitting in in school? Because I, I kind of felt like at times. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I sort yeah. of felt like in, in my school, I went to a very small school. It was an amazing school. But because I was creative, I was a creative, artsy, farty sort of, sort of kid. Um, the, one yeah. that, the, one, the one that wanted to make movies and was always talking about movies and trying to rope my friends into being in the movies. It just felt, felt like that. I didn't really fit in that well. and I agree. I think it's to do with being creative. And I was actually, I would say like when you would look at me back then, I was a little gothic. I had dark hair. I wore dark makeup. I mean, I still do, but, um, and I kind of wore a lot of black and, you know, you're different in high school. You're going to get picked on. And, you know, I was kind of asking for that because, Mm -hmm. but that's what I was interested in. And that, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world because that, enabled me to find photography mm. but I remember looking at pictures like group school photos and always feeling like the odd one out and um, I speak to a lot of creatives and meet a lot of people on my workshops and it seems a very similar experience that you know other people have gone through the same thing so mm. for anyone out there who's going through that right now um, you know stay true to who you are and just keep doing what you do because you know eventually you'll be successful in what you do don't listen to the outside noise it's a very good message for people to hear, especially creatives, I find, or really anyone. And when you are, when you tell them, okay, just listen to be you and don't be afraid to be you. I think many people are afraid of, especially with social media nowadays, are afraid of putting themselves up there because of being self-conscious and, and what people are going to say about them. Because it's easy to write a message and the keyboard warriors, right? It's yeah. a lot easier to do that nowadays than it was when I was growing up as a kid when people just verbally bully you. And it's a whole new level of taking care of one's mind, especially with 
the creative arts aspect of things because you are putting your work out there. It is very, very close to people's hearts. I get that. And it's like an extension of yourself. So therefore you don't want that extension to be hurt in any, any way, shape or form. There's a very important message. I think Lara, that you are encouraging and putting out there to people because you are quite successful in this field of photography, but you know, you had a journey to get there in the first place. So I think when people look at your life and what, when I looked at, uh, when I was doing research behind a little bit about you, it's a funny story when we actually connected and it was interesting that you wanted to come onto my podcast as well. Yeah. I really appreciate that. So basically you have done so many like magazine covers, so many celebrities, everything like that. So when I was looking at it, that was an inspiration for me. Well, yes, I'm a filmmaker. I strived so hard in school and after school to quote make it. But then I realized, well, I pro I went a different way. You know, life just didn't work out the way I envisioned it or planned it to. And that's okay as well. I'm still a filmmaker. I still make movies, but just not in the Hollywood sphere, but that's okay. As long as you are comfortable with who you are and what you are actually doing in life. And I think a lot of it, you know, as you get older and I know everyone says that to you, but like, you know, your twenties is a hard time. And I think once I started to get to the end of my 20s and you know, I'm at the start of my 30s now, I started to become much more comfortable in myself as a woman. But also, I, you know, and I don't know if it's also because, you know, my husband is very honest. My friends are very honest. The people that I choose to be around are also very honest and keep me at a certain level. And that shapes the way I am. But I also think, you know, you get comfortable with who you are and you're just like, you know, this is who I am and this is the work I put out there. And mm. I no longer feel that level of rejection when, you know, 10 years ago, had I gone to a meeting and got rejected, I would have been really hurt and it would have affected me for a number of weeks. Whereas now I just brush it off and I'm like, next, you know, mm. and the same with people that annoy me, like getting rid of people out your life that irritate you. They've got three chances and then they're out and you just say next. And I feel like, that is something you learn as you get older. You learn to not care about, you know, losing people. You know, you start to focus a little bit more on your own journey and what you need to do to get there. Oh, definitely. I think it's that like, I don't, Ariana Grande song, thank you next or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very much like that. But in the sense of, okay, well, don't, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. It's that vulnerability aspect. And a lot of people are fearful of what others are going to think of them. And it impacts their purpose. Like, yes. And purpose is such a huge topic. You know, I, I speak to a lot of young people as well about this very thing about finding your purpose. And, and for me, I know last year I was very, very lost because I went through a difficult breakup. I went through a period of my life where I didn't know who I was and I was only 22, you know, yeah. the, 23, still quite young, still trying to figure out who I was and everything was just like flipped on its head. And I was just like, okay, well, what's next? What do I do? And I was like searching and searching, asking so many people uh, questions of, okay, well, who am I? Who, who am I to you? But really yeah. I wasn't asking the one question that was important. Who am I to myself? Yeah. I think, I think we're always looking at, other people for self-gratification to find out who we actually are 
rather than we actually looking inside of us and seeing that this is who we are within ourselves and being comfortable and confident with that. And I like how you said, you know, you got three chances next. It's okay. You're yeah. going to get rejection next. And what I found with doing this podcast, for example, is there are a lot of people that say no. And it's just like, okay, I've asked. There might be another time later on down the track. It's okay. I think also a lot of things to do with, especially in my industry and the filmmaking industry or any artist out there or any creative for that matter, you're always going to face rejection. And it's just how you kind of deal with that. You know, I may send a hundred emails in a week and get 10 responses and one of those results in a meeting. And it's like, that's what, once you realize that's how it is and that's how it is for everyone, not just you, you realize that, you know, and that's what I like when I, I read pe about people online that I admire. It's almost nice and it makes them like, you know, relatable when they start being vulnerable. Because I think anyone up there that is kind of on a pedestal to you, you kind of think that they've had it easy or perhaps they've had money behind them. Perhaps it's happened overnight, but it's not that way at all. We all have to go through those struggles mm -hmm. to get the successes and actually it humbles us. Like I've gone through so many rejections being a photographer that started at 14 in my 16 year career that you know in the beginning it would just drag me down and now it's like okay like let's move on to the next thing and I find that in times of like stress or when I've you know especially during lockdown as well at first it was very negative but I always somehow come out of it on top and mm -hmm. it keeps me on my toes to a point that then I'm like I create some of my best work and it makes me think differently so you know whether it's a breakup or whether it's moving to a new place or whether it's like the current situation right now in lockdown, I think, what can I do to get out of this? There's only so much I can do where I'm annoying people talking about it. I'm <laughs> I annoy my family talking about it. I can sit and cry in the corner or I can pull myself together and figure out a plan and figure out how to move forwards with this. Oh, definitely. I think it all comes down to a choice, whether or not we ourselves want to remain negative and affect other people because our choices don't just affect ourselves, they affect others as well. So I think not, not necessarily allowing that to weigh us down, but just being mindful of it enables us to be more positive and think, well, I'm going to Im impact someone else's life today in a positive way. If you think about that, yeah. go and it's okay. And, and you are someone that, you know, you're still talking about sending out hundred emails and you've worked with some of the top brands and publications and clients in the world, you could say, and you're still sending out all these emails. You're still sending out, you're still hustling. Does it ever, does it ever stop? Do you ever find that it gets easier? No, <laughs> I thought it would. Hmm. Had I have known what it took to get to here, I, I think I would be slightly doubting getting into photography in the first place. But you know what? I love the hustle. And it's kind of like my friends and I always joke. We do like marketing Mondays together at coffee shops and stuff. And hmm. we're like fishing. We call it fishing for clients. And it's kind of that excitement when you're like, you know, fishing for that client and there's a bite and it turns into something. You know, you're not, you can't just rely on a photo agent. You can't just rely on a manager. If you want something, you have to go out and get it mm. rather than just expecting things to come to you. Because if I just sat back and let work come to me, that work may not be the work that I want to get. Mm. So if I want to shoot for Harper's Bazaar, if I want to shoot for a major client, I have to figure out whether it's like fits in my aesthetic and what they would like to see. And a lot of it is to do with timing. 
if they're looking for a new artist at that point, I would say, you know, 90% of my work has come from me being active and going out there and going after what I want. And I think that's for anyone listening, like that's an artist or anyone in business. If you want something, you have to go out and get it and figure out how to get it and put those steps together. Because you mentioned there, you know, if you had to know what it would have taken you to get here, it would have been a different story. So I'm curious to know what did it take for you to actually get here to the point you're at today? It's, I would say, I think that looking back, um, my first few years, I was a little lazier being a team photographer. I didn't know how to market. You have to remember that this was late 2000s when I was kind of getting into the photography industry. I started my business at 17 doing conceptual work. And then I went into fashion photography, had an agent by the time I was 18 in Milan for fine artwork. Suddenly I say, I want to do fashion photography. And he says to me, you're joking, right? Like, do you know how hard that is? And I said, I don't care what I want to do. And I don't care whether that means I have to move in a different direction. Now that was hard at 17 to switch gears um, and then also switch gears. And every time I move, so when I went from London, went for a breakup, ran out of money, I had to move home. I had to think of another plan. When I moved to New York, I had to think about finding teams, finding potential clients. So I would say for me, it's it's just been a lot of stopping and starting and refiguring out what I can do and also listening to what I want to do. So I started being an educator 10 years ago in the photography industry because I realized what it was like to struggle as a photographer back in the day where there was no information, you know, everything felt like it was hidden behind this big red curtain and that you were not allowed. And also visually, like people's sets were closed off, like with big V flats with like a little spy hole. So you couldn't even look into studios and get an idea. You know, everyone was paranoid that someone might steal each other's work or lighting technique. So I feel like, you know, coming from that where everyone was so silent about it, you know, I've wanted to try and shape the industry and kind of open that curtain a little bit, but it has been a struggle. And I, I never, you know, being British, I'm also very honest. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to my education and my workshops, I always say that to people like, you know, it's hard work, but you have to treat it like a nine to five. You know, you didn't choose a creative job just to work a few hours a week. Mm. and hope that things come your way. Like you have to treat it like it would be a nine to five. You have to have a to-do list every day. You have to be working on something beneficial for your business every day. So once I put that into perspective and started doing that a few years ago, work started to flood in. I started to become busy. And, um, you know, it's a proven method. I think so many artists would agree that like you put the work in, you reach out to the right people. It's the best formula you get results. What would you say yeah. is, has been the hardest thing in your life about the photography aspect? I think there's a few things. I think being a young artist was hard. And especially when I first started out and being a young female was definitely hard. Cause I'm always battling with the fact that I look younger than I am. Mm. No matter how much makeup I put on <laughs> <laughs> or how high my heels are. Um, and I think that has been hard because people have to meet, people like to meet. There's that old fashion mentality in the commercial fashion industry where they want to meet to connect with you. And, and fair enough, people want to know they can get on with you. But, you know, mm-hmm. breaking down that barrier that, you know, age and experience, like what I look like in age and experience is not, you know, I've not just been in the industry for two or three years. I've been doing this for 16 years. So I feel like sometimes I battle that if I go to a meeting, I have to justify or I have to mention it in the first sentence. Like 
I've been shooting for 16 years. This is what I've been doing. And, you know, just the wording and the way I handle it. Um, I also feel at the start of my career, I was doing a lot of self-portraiture um, before I kind of went into conceptual photography. And a lot of people would say to me, you need to stop photographing yourself. You can't be a fashion photographer and a self-portrait artist. You can't be this, you can't be that. So for years, I was like, okay, I have to just be a fashion photographer and I can't put myself in front of the camera and it's just about work. And now it's actually the opposite. You know, the multifaceted, multifaceted artists out there who are influencer, the blogger or they're this and this. And that's acceptable now. It makes you unique. So I think those things mainly um, just being taken seriously, I think mm. is the, the main thing. What would you say to a young person that is starting out in photography or in film and they're constantly getting the negative backlash of people saying, you can't do this, why are you doing this? all that sort of stuff? I think the first thing is to look into your own work and try and figure out early on what your style is. Now, mm -hmm. style develops as you get older and taste develops. So you're always going to be on an artistic journey. But if you can do a lot of experiments in the beginning and work hard and try and identify your style, I think that's number one. Number two is once you identify that style, you're able to figure out who your target client is. Mm -hmm. So then you're able to figure out people that fit with that aesthetic. So you're not just sending an email to a company that's a whole different aesthetic. You're sending emails to a company where you potentially could be a good artist for, you know, for the brief. Mm. And I think a lot of the backlash and a lot of negativity comes from the fact that your work doesn't fit with that particular brand. Um, that's something I make sure with every um, marketing effort I do. You know, what is it that they shoot? Is my work a good fit? And what I'm showing them in the email or on the website link, is that a good fit? Does that speak to them? Mm. Is there any secret to marketing? I wish there was. I think the secret is probably having a clone of yourself. So you can have one brain in marketing, one brain in creative. Um, I think, you know, when it comes down to technique in marketing, I think it's just having a good plan throughout the week, figuring out when your clients might be online. For me, it's middle of the week. I do my research on Monday, middle of the week having a database of potential connections and also making sure that you're reaching out to the decision maker because yeah. a lot of people will reach out and they'll be like, why is no one getting back to me? But actually they've just emailed a very generic email that goes to like the intern at the front desk yep. um, when actually it's like identifying the decision maker and the person that would be deciding whether you are the right fit. It's very important. I've found that to be quite interesting with what I'm doing at the moment, which is reaching out to people through podcasts and or to get them on the show and to get them interested. But I want the email that I sent to generate interest. But how am I going to do that if it just reaches the reception desk? Uh, how am I going to make the receptionist interested to pass this actually on to somebody so then they can get interested? So it's like what, you, you figure out tricks and, and tips and um, things like that along the way, I guess. But it's, it just becomes like it's a challenge in of itself because you might not actually have access to the decision maker. So you've got to do yeah. like the, the hard groundwork and then just, I have this saying, be persistent to remain consistent. So yeah, that's really good. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to send this email, I'm going to wait a week, wait a couple of days, whatever it takes, send the same email again, just keep hammering away at it until I get a response. And I don't care what response it is because that means if they respond to me, I get their email address. And yeah. I mean, so 
as long as you know you are persistent at doing the thing that you you want to do and if you've got a goal and a, and a vision in mind as well and you keep at it then things are going to come and that's what i've started to notice as well i mean i i think i emailed you ages ago <laughs> i don't even remember <laughs> no, no but um it was it was just one of those things you know like i didn't i didn't even know i had a i had a goal in mind of getting may musk and yeah. ended up getting someone that is is great as well <laughs> so <laughs> like it's just you you just never know at times and yeah you got to my grandfather used to tell me all the time he used to say jay if you don't ask you don't get so mm-hmm. Going back to what we were talking about before about being creative and being introverted and and finding your purpose in that, don't be afraid to ask questions. Be curious. I think that's the biggest hurdle a lot of people have, just going and teaching a lot of people on workshops and online and, and my online groups. People say they don't know how to write an email. They don't know how to ask for what they want. They, they're too scared to reach out. Yeah. But actually, you know, something I read in, in May Musk's book talking about her, um, just because I did a little chat with her recently, is like, you know, she said, if you don't ask, it's a no. But if you do ask, there's a potential yes. Yeah. And that's the way you have to think about it is like, okay. you know, you just got to put your chances out there and hope that, you know, and that's like I said, 90% of my work is just me going after a goal, you know, firstly, when I wanted to work with a large magazine, I was like, okay, I'm going to reach out to some of the international magazines. I'm going to send some ideas and see what comes back. And that started my journey on the editorial ladder, working with bigger magazines, because I just, you know, took a chance and my work might've not been, um, the best fit in terms of like, you know, I was definitely still at the start of my career, but that editor took a chance on me for that particular shoot. Um, and that's what it comes down to a lot of chance, but it's not just luck either. Like a lot of people say like, Oh, you're so lucky. Um, that you, you're able to do this. And I was like 16 years of luck, you know, it's all <laughs> groundwork. And if you are, um, you know, if you're working hard, luck comes along mm. because you're going after what you want. And on the side, something might come from that. And that's what I would call luck. But, um, I'm sure you probably had the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like I look at, every single yes as an opportunity and it's an exciting opportunity because you know when I first started this I was reaching out to my friends and even with my film like I was I'm an introvert so I was scared honestly like scared to have conversations with people and I remember my very first like film that I made it was just it was with a Vietnam war veteran and I was scared to actually direct him because yeah. here's this man that's gone through absolute hell and I have this utter appreciation for the man. I didn't know how to act around him, but he was just so yeah. grounded and humble. And I think if we take out and we learn to just take out all the works that people have done in our life and we just, yeah. they're a human being, how can we relate in some way to them? Because they are a human being at the end of the day. Yeah. We all struggle. We all have failures. We all have successes. We all have all these things in our life on a day-to-day basis. I think just being grounded all the time and coming back to your why every single day and just being nice to people. Like I, I think, think that's a big thing because the yeah. fashion industry is not known for being nice and it's definitely gotten better. And I 
used to get very offended by, you know, the very old fashioned rock star fashion photographer thing is, is definitely a thing of the past. Um, but there's still that part of the industry there that feels untouchable. Mm. And I feel it's quite intimidating. And I feel like, you know, when I um, approach a shoot as a fashion photographer, you know, sometimes people see me online, especially when I didn't put much up about myself or videos and they would expect me to be total asshole until they'd meet me on set and they'd be like, Oh, you're so nice. And I'd be like, isn't everyone like, shouldn't everyone be nice? Like we're, you know, we're not saving lives. Mm. We're all here doing a photo shoot. And that's how I treat when I um, work with celebrities or talent on set. I just, you know, I don't even focus on them as the celebrity. I don't put them on a pedestal. Sometimes I don't even research about them ahead of time because I don't want to get into that headspace of seeing all that they've done. I'd rather meet them and understand who they are as a person at the start of the day. Treat them like a normal person. Treat them with respect. And you get a lot more out of them as a photographer because they learn to trust you. And they know you're not like this big fan that's like, you know, weird to ask them to, you know, mm -hmm. pose or anything like that. Which is interesting you say that because I haven't actually read out any of the stars that you've worked with or any of the major clients really that you have been able to excel and, and work with in, in many different facets. So you've worked with Vogue, InStyle, Issue Magazine. You, you mentioned there before you had um, Bazaar. Harper's Bazaar. You got all these, and you work with Daisy Ridley, uh, May Musk, another one, uh, Anya Taylor Joy, Gemma Chan, Jodie Whittaker, Rachel Brosnahan. Like all these, all these like powerhouse ladies. Can you I love a good powerhouse lady? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It's excellent. I think, I think yeah. we need, I think we need them. Sorry, what people don't realize is like you say these names and people are immediately like, "Wow, that's incredible." All of these girls and, and women, they're just, they're very normal. You know, they're like you and I, and they step on set and then wear makeup. And same with models, like large models, um, known models that I've worked with. And you start as an artist realizing that how normal actually everyone is, you know, and that's the, the thing that people forget, you know, especially seeing them on Instagram or dressed up and stuff. And I have a teen um, sister who looks at things online and wants to be a certain person. And I think there's more pressure, um, especially on women today with, you know, plastic surgery and makeup and hair, you have to fit in a certain way. And actually being in my position, it's quite humbling because you do get to see people kind of at their most normal and relaxed um, mm. when they get to set without being all doled up or, you know, on this pedestal. I think there is a lot of pressure behind them as well like being on a set huge and just to show up and actually work. And I think like the media and social media in general sort of like puts them up on a pedestal and yeah. young, younger girls or young, young men even as well, they look at them and it's sort of like, well, I want to be like them. And that sort of impacts their own self-worth. So I'm curious to know, what would you say to a young girl that is struggling with their own self-worth at the moment? I think the thing is to uh, surround yourself with people that uplift you. I think community is extremely important because no matter how many times you may say to yourself that, you know, you're confident, you believe in yourself, you feel good. I think having that support from like family members or having a good friend group that you can just call and, you know, you all kind of get together for a coffee, you know what? 
And it's the same with when I got into the industry. At first, I didn't have a community as a young teen photographer. And that was very hard. You know, I'm creating on my own. I'm insecure because I'm a teenager. I'm going through breakups very early on. And it always comes back to you and it hurts. Um, And if you don't have that support, it's hard to get out of that. So I think that's the main thing. And to also understand that the things you see out there are definitely like a more manicured version of what you would expect. You know, there's definitely less retouching now, which I think is good. Um, but I feel like, you know, you have to understand that every not everyone gets up in the morning and looks incredible. It takes a village to do a lot of these stars and models hair and makeup. It takes a village to do my own hair and makeup, put my extension in every morning. And, you know, we're all just human at the end of the day. What have you noticed by looking at all these women, being able to photograph them? What have you noticed is actual real beauty? I think more personality for sure. Like I feel like the the people I connect with the most on set, like, you know, they could be really beautiful, but they may, you know, luckily I haven't worked with anyone that's really awful (laughs) to put it in kind words. Um, I've been working with a lot of um, beautiful people, but not just because of the way they look, but just the way they act. They, you know, uh, for example, like when I shot Daisy Ridley in London, Mm. um, it was freezing cold. It was in February and we were in this old location house that was like falling to bits and the electric kept going out on the electric heaters and it was freezing cold and she had to sit with like skinny dresses on But, you know, she just ran with it and she was like, you know, you're all here today to create. She understood that there was, you know, money invested in shoot and she just, she was a collaborator and she was a hard worker and, you know, she does her job well. And I think that that's what I've noticed that those women are in those job positions because they're true professionals. Mm. And the same with working with Mae Musk, you know, regardless of age, she was on set all day, moving, collaborating, a big smile on her face. You know, she wasn't, the type of person to be like, wait a minute, let me just have a sit down. Let me eat something. You know, it was, it was a thought, not just about herself, you know, she's the talent coming to set, but she was thinking about everyone else on set. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes them, um, I think beautiful because they, they consider everyone else. How long do these shoots actually go for? Like, cause I know I'm curious to know for a professional set. 10 hours is kind of like a given shoot day, but we get there two hours typically before talent arrives. Uh, Models may arrive sooner, so that's eight hour day that they could be on set. Celebrity shoots tend to be shorter because they're usually working around castings or maybe they have interviews um, with a particular magazine journalist at some point in the day. So on a shoot like Daisy um, or Lucy Boynton, where we shot on location, it was probably around four or five hours at the most, which is, you know, including a little bit of hair and makeup time. So you don't have long. I know for portrait photographers, that seems like a really long time. But when you shoot fashion and you've got to move lighting and you've got to think on your feet and move location and shoot a cover shot, which has its own whole thing because you need the composition, right? You need to consider the logo. It's tricky. And my shoot with Lucy Boynton in London for Harpers Malaysia, we had to shoot for a midday sun. And it was just awful any photographer will tell you the worst time to shoot is midday because and you know as a filmmaker you've yep. ugly lines and especially with a tired actress that's had a huge week of their press mm. the last thing that they want to see themselves in is this light so you know it's always about problem solving and um, making sure that they're happy and their management is happy as well 
a lot of uh, diffusion, a lot of shade. <laughs> a lot of shade and a very smiley face on the outside yep. when you know things are really stressful on the inside. And luckily I have good assistants so I can just look at them without even saying anything and they're like, like, what do you need? <laughs> and so we like figure it out through like Morse code, you know? Yeah, that's really good. I have a few more questions for you if you don't mind as yeah. well. Um, I usually ask this question at the very beginning of an in, of my interviews because I love it and I think it's unique. But you've had quite a lot of success, it would it would seem, over your your career as well. So my question to you is, what is your definition of success? I think being um, happy with what you do creatively and having a balance mm-hmm. of both earning money and creative. Because if you start, if you're an artist who just does things for money, you're not a true artist because you're defined by your client's vision. Um, you know, I could shoot for an entire week for a client and earn good money, but I still don't feel creatively fulfilled at the end of the week. Something's missing. So I have to balance that out with editorial shoots, which is where I usually have the most control or personal work. I think, you know, as an artist, your definition of success is when you have balance with both money and also creativity. That's really good. A couple more questions. What has been or what is your biggest fear? Uh, probably flying. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you. Being on planes. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why as I, you know, I used to be really fearless as as I mentioned earlier. And as soon as I hit like my mid twenties, I got this like irrational fear of flying and it doesn't matter how many times I fly, you know, if I, it takes me a good week, you know, I can't sleep the night before. Does it matter if I take Benadryl on a flight to make myself feel sleepy? And it's funny because I have to work through it. So I'd say I'm pretty successful trying to work through my fear um, because I love my job. I've actually never been on a plane before, yet I have this fear of flying. You've never been on a plane? Nope. Oh, wow. Yes. I've been so on how, do you, how do you get around? Do you so, just drive to different places if you want to go? So basically, uh, I haven't really been out of Australia apart from going on a cruise to like Vanuatu and all that sort of stuff. So I'm very like much sheltered (laughs) in Sydney, Australia, which is why I was telling you before I need to get out. And I actually planned on on, uh, leaving Sydney and just exploring because I'm a history nut as well. So I want to go and and experience and see the world. But um, what's what's been the most interesting thing is I've I've been on, uh, we've traveled via train to Queensland, which was absolutely horrendous by car mostly as well, <laughs> uh, boats, but just not a plane. And I love Wow. That. Okay. Flying is great. You don't need to worry about anything. You know, there's nothing's going to happen. <laughs> so I'm just selling it to you. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it works. Um, no, I mean, it's been like, once you're up there and you suddenly like, I think it's the taking off and then you get there and you're like, you look out the window and you know, everything's running smoothly. Rela- you can relax. And the biggest advice I would give you is to keep yourself distracted like work. I write blog posts. I write educational posts. I, you know, go through images, whatever I can, or I play a game on my iPad and then time goes by super quick. Unless you're traveling from Australia to New York. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know that is actually a very long trip, but that's that's good advice. I'll keep that in mind. Uh, Lara, this is more of um, two more questions, if you don't mind, but this is more of a, a legacy question that I love asking people. And, and this, it's, you've reached the age of 100 and you've done everything you've ever wanted to do. You've photographed every person you ever wanted to photograph. 
and your friends have put together a mixtape for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it. They just did. They put it together <laughs> for you and they've shown it to you on your, your 100th birthday. What do you want that mixtape to say and to show about you? Oh, that's a really hard question. You know, I've never been asked anything like that, but it's really interesting. I would hope it's just positive things, first and foremost. I think my friend Deb would always say, like, um, Lara the lion went after her dreams and, you know, succeeded and lived a happy life. She always laughs because I'm a Leo and I don't stop. Um, or something like, I'm trying to think. I think the main thing would be to hope that I've, encouraged a lot of you, the younger generation of photographers in the industry to believe in themselves and go after their dreams, no matter what um, failures they've gone through. Mm. Now you are a photographer, but I do know yeah. that with photography, there comes with angles and the appreciation for the art. So this is more of a fun question. Uh, what is your favorite film, your favorite actor and the last movie that you watched? Last movie that I watched, favorite film. Um, you know what? It's really cheesy, but I love The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ooh. It's always been in there as a childhood favorite. I love anything Tim Burton. Um, in terms of actress, um, I really love Helena Bonham Carter for obvious reasons because she's also a Tim Burton actress. Um, and favorite, what was the last one? And the last movie that you watched? Last movie that I watched. Let me think. I watch a lot of Netflix. Can I say what I watched? I'm trying to think of the last movie, but I, the great British fake show is Ooh. like me and my husband are obsessed with it right now. We've been watching um, various seasons um, just because everyone's so nice to each other. And during lockdown, you need that bit of positivity going on. Yeah. And why not with food? <laughs> and why not with food? And, yeah, and Tiger King. Any uh, documentary, Tiger. any weird documentary, Hoarders, Tiger King, anything like that, you can throw me house architectural. I'm like an old woman in slippers with my cats watching Netflix documentaries. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> uh, get past the first five minutes of Tiger King, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. You I have to keep like, going. You got to keep watching it. It gets I was, better. <laughs> nah, I was like, nah, I'm not going to, not going to finish this. Yeah. Um, but every other One day, on I, your I, next I, plane journey, I'll, on your first plane journey. I'll, I'll add it to my, my ever-growing list. I started watching uh, the Space space One with Steve Carell. It's recently come out. Okay, yeah. It, it is hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Like, it's the guys that created The Office. And Oh, uh, yes, you do. I, I was in stitches last night. Just, uh, you've you got to watch it. Like, it's just so good. Like, the okay. comedy, comedy aspect it. of it, it's, yeah. it's very good. Um, one more question. I apologize because you mentioned your husband there for a moment and I do want to know yep. um, what's one lesson that he's actually taught you that you hold dear to your heart? Um, I think that the main thing is just to, he's definitely one that encouraged me to surround myself with honest people and get rid of, you know, the unwanted noise. Um, and I think just to be a stronger person in general, because he's definitely one to just be like, if he didn't like something, he'll just say it. Do be fearless with that. Whereas like before I'd always tread on eggshells and sometimes I still do. And he reminds me to not do that. 
That's good. I feel like that's a good way to sort of end that And he's listening to me. So I'm not going to, <laughs> he's right behind me right now. <laughs> I've, I've been seeing him. He's been walking to the fridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's a hungry man. <laughs> he's going back and forth. <laughs> I, I have to agree with him. Like every man who, who's not hungry, if you're a man as well. So yeah, Lara, I really appreciated your time today. Thank you so much. And for sharing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well. That's been an absolute pleasure. Honestly, I really enjoyed our conversation. I didn't even really get into half the questions that I actually had, actually. So the oh, There's always another time. Round two. <laughs> That's the thing with podcasts. It's like you can stick to one topic or there's a million other things you can talk about. But I've enjoyed this because it's different. I usually talk mainly about photography and I'd like to kind of get in more in depth into like different things with this. So I appreciate the conversation and, and being on board for this. I don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.